This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Want to know what's going on in your neck of the woods and learn the history and the people behind the events that you love across the state? Get to know the real Mississippi. Check out MPB Think Radio's Next Stop Mississippi podcast on all platforms or on the MPB public media app. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. I'm Jermaine Flood. Hey, Coach Charlie. How are you doing today? I'm doing good today. How is your day going? Well, it's just going great. Just great. You've had any car issues lately? Well, you know, always different car issues going on. And um, the, I think the latest one I had was where... I went outside to my vehicle, the light was on on the dash, and it talked about the um, uh, air pressure. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. the air pressure for the tires. And I said, well, I'm going to get out and look and see which one's bad. Right. Well, guess what? It was flat as a pancake on the left oh, rear. Oh, you didn't even have to look out and see. I did not even have to look out <laughs> to see. But lucky, I was on my way to here. Okay. okay. I was on the way to the station, okay. and I had to revamp and start all over and get it fixed. How long did it take you to do all that? I just want to know, from a professional, for sure. Well, you know, uh, (laughs) I did not fix the tire myself. I took it somewhere, aired it up, got it taken to a shop. It took about 20 minutes. Okay, okay, okay. I thought it was all you, Coach. I thought it was all you. (laughs) I could have done it, but it's easier just to go have it patched on the inside. You know, a lot of people uh, plug tires now, and really the manufacturer's does not say to plug tires they want it to be patched from the inside okay so that's a difference that's a good a good little quick talking point so the plug versus the patch what's the difference well you know if you think about a plug a plug is you're just sticking something in the hole or some rubber in the hole to keep the air from coming out right but a patch they break the tire down off the rim they go in there and they literally put a patch on the inside of the tire where the nail or whatever went through and why do you feel like they're, I guess, is it the manufacturers you were saying who were who were discussing the patch versus the plug? Why, why is the is the choose the choice for the patch, basically? Well, what happens, <laughs> the plug will eventually come out because oh. it's, it's either nylon or it's rubber. Yeah. And as you're driving down the highway, the highway pulls it out. OK. And then you have a flat again. Yeah. But the patch itself is on the inside of the tire. It is sealed and bonded to the rubber, and it does not come out. Okay, okay. And is it okay and safe to just constantly drive on that patch, Coach? Oh, yes. There's nothing wrong with it. They have just repaired the tire from the inside. It's just it's a good repair. Okay, it's a good repair. All right, perfect, because I will ride on that thing another maybe 3,000. <laughs> it, it would take another 3,000. It, it, it would stay as good as, as long as the tire is good. Okay. Because okay. it is a permanent repair. Okay. All right. Well, that'll work. Thanks for that tip, Coach. I never knew the difference between a patch and a plug, but now I do. And also, though, today we're answering your emails to help steer you in the right direction. Our email address for questions is auto at mpbonline.org. Now, you can also use the Talk To Us feature on the MPB Public Media app to ask Coach a direct question. Download the app from your app store, open it up, and then click on the menu to the left to find the Talk To Us tab, and you can 
scroll to find autocorrect. You'll click the mic and you'll leave your message. It's as simple as that. Now, Coach, let's get into some of these emails. I've got a stack for you. People have just questions out of out of the air. They they're from one Volvo to a CHR, but we're going to get started with a power inverter. This is coming from T. Coleman. He says, good morning, Coach and Jermaine. I have a 2017 Toyota Yaris. Um, I have a 1,000 watt inverter I'm trying to install in my car. I bought a six-foot wire connector, but with that type of vehicle, I'm not quite sure how to run the wire through the firewall inside of the vehicle. Any idea? And thanks. He says, have a great day. Well, let's first of all talk about what an inverter is. Okay. Inverter is that you're taking DC power, and that's what the vehicle runs on, and you're changing it into AC power, okay, because all of our electrical uh appliances and our phones, all that mostly runs off AC. Okay. Okay. So the vehicle is producing DC. And so you need some way to change that power. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's why they use inverters. Mm -hmm. Okay. As of the wire itself, if you're going to run it through the dash, because evidently you want the power inverter inside the car in the passenger compartment, what you do, there are rubber garments in the firewall that you can run that wire through. Uh, maybe they just have a small wire in them, but look for a rubber garment where uh, that is put into the firewall right there by the dash, and you can run that wire through those rubber garments. Okay. Or you could even make a hole, just make sure that you drill a hole that size and then put a garment around it or something so you don't shape the wire. Okay, okay. And this is something he can do, possibly. Uh, yes. Okay, it's a easy. It's not easy, not for me, coach. But, but it is a it is a do it yourself. <laughs> it is a do it yourself. And quick question: This is for me, of course. Why would you want to change your inverter? Well, they don't all have. They don't come with inverters. Okay. If you notice that now, you uh, if you think about a Ford truck out there right now, they say you can plug your house into it. So what they have done on, they have put inverters in vehicles, but they're not in all vehicles. Okay. Okay. That is just, maybe you want to take and plug something in. You know, there there were some vehicles that had refrigerators in them, small refrigerators or coolers. Yeah. There's some that you can put a TV in. There's different things that you can put in the vehicle that runs off uh, AC. Okay. And then when, I, when let me tell you, AC is alternating current, DC is direct current. The vehicle runs off direct current. Okay. An inverter changes that DC current to, to an AC. AC current, so you can use it. Got it. Okay. Thanks for the explanation, Coach. You always know how to make it plain for me. <laughs> well, we just got to make sure we understand. Right. <laughs> You're right about that. Well, that, again, is coming from T. Coleman. And T. Coleman, I hope that helps. And I learned a little bit as well. Okay. Let's get into our next question, Coach. This is coming from Tom Reno in Biloxi, Mississippi. He says he has a 2018 Volkswagen Passat. Now, about two months ago, many of the driving warning lights came on suddenly. The dealership replaced a speed sensor and everything was good again, but about a week ago, the same warning lights started staying on when I first started the car. After shutting the engine off and on three to four times, everything goes back to normal. What might be causing this? Well, what it sounds like to me, maybe you have a weak battery, because a lot of times, if you have a weak battery, all those lights will come on, and they will stay on, just to 
just letting you know there is something really wrong with the car. Mm-hmm. A speed sensor shouldn't have made all the lights come on on the dash. Speed sensor is just for uh, either it's a wheel speed sensor or off the transmission, uh, some type of sensor off the transmission. Okay. But all the dash, like the ABS, the brakes, all those should go off when you cut the key on. If there's no problem, every light comes on when you cut the key on. Every light should go off when you mm-hmm. cut the key, when you crank the vehicle up. Yeah, after it kind of cycles through. Right, after it cycles through, all the lights should go off if there's nothing wrong. Uh, I would have the charging system checked just to make sure that that battery is holding the right amount of charge. Okay. Because if it's low, those lights will come on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you think about if you go, a lot of times people go to the auto parts store, they get them to install a battery, and then if they install the battery, all the lights are on the vehicle. Yeah. Because it has to recycle, and there is a uh, way to recycle, recalibrate those lights so they yeah. all go off. These cars are so smart. I mean, they're just like phones and computers. It literally has to run through its cycle to be able to to get, you know, I guess it, it checks through all of those lights and then is like, okay, your car is good to drive. Well, I'll give you a good uh, example. I uh, put a battery in a Toyota um, several months ago, and after I put the battery in the Toyota, all the lights came on and they all stayed on. I said, oh, wow, what's wrong with the car now? All uh-huh. I did was put a battery in it. Uh-huh. What it is, it had to recycle and go through and recalibrate everything because you put a new battery in it. How long did it take? Um, probably less than ten minutes to recycle. You just had to drive okay. it. Okay. A lot of times, a lot of times it happens on a drive cycle. Okay. And so you drive it a certain amount, and then all the lights will go off. Right. So don't freak out. But everything should go off and be normal. But yeah, he said after shutting that engine off three or four times, everything goes back to normal. So I guess that's the cycle for it. Right. And like I say, it may not come back on. You know, I want to just check that charging system, make sure everything's good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Easy check. Yes, easy check, Tom. Tom Reno in Biloxi, Mississippi. Thank you so much for your question. Okay, Coach, let's keep it moving. We have got a vehicle service agreement about to expire. This is coming from Edie Hill. Edie says she has a 2019 Chevy Equinox. She bought it new and also purchased the vehicle service agreement with it. She has less than 37,000 miles on the agreement, um, on the vehicle rather, not the agreement. The agreement, though, will expire on the 28th of December, 2023, or 100,000 miles. She wants to go in the right direction. Should she get an extended agreement with the dealer, or should she try to join one of those services you pay for monthly, like CarShield, or should she just pay for the repairs as needed? Well, it's according to what type of extended warranty you got. And we talked about this last week, talking about Mm -hmm. scams with extended warranties and all. Extended warranty starts at the time that your vehicle is bought from mile one, whatever miles you put on it, that's when your extended warranty work. Most extended warranties will go either 100,000 miles or so many years. You know, but the thing is, you want to make sure that you're getting the extended warranty that you're going to use. You know, maybe you don't need a broad extended warranty that has everything on it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times that you could just put the money that you're going to use on a warranty, put it in an account, don't use it, and, the and then use it for the repairs, you know? Yeah. Especially if your vehicle's getting older, you know, because, like I say, you can just put a lot of money in a standard warranty and never use it. Yeah. Or car shield, like a service like that, where, you know... Well, Card Shield, you once you get into one of these extended warranty companies, you need to read the fine print okay. of what they cover, okay. because they don't cover everything. 
Okay. You know, you may go in there and you have a major problem and you come to find out that the warranty does not cover that. Doesn't cover all. So you want to make sure that if you're going to get an extended warranty after that manufacturer's warranty that you read the small print. Right. So you do not get stuck buying a warranty for nothing. Right. I think that is, you know, it's kind of great because I'm not the person who's going to turn around and be like, oh, yeah, a couple years later, let me see about putting more warranties on my car. But I think it's it's proactive to even think like that just in case, I'm guessing. Well, if you notice, a lot of people call and you get a lot of uh, texts and all and messages from emails and all. Mm -hmm. A lot of those are scams. Okay. You just need to be careful. Okay. Be careful and and, and stick to services that, you know, seem pretty legit. And uh, always, I think, you on a situation like that, always talk to your dealer and just see exactly what they have. You really don't want to go to a third party because the third party... You're dealing with them, and then they're going to deal with the manufacturer or the dealer. So you, okay. a lot of times you want to just go back to the dealer. Okay. Okay. Just head on back to the dealer and get your stuff fixed. All right, Coach. Before we head to break, here is a 1980s Volvo comment. And this was a comment um, in, in response to a lady who had called us before now regarding um, her 86 Volvo 240. So this... this this new person, who is Brandon S. Bond, who who hit us up. Thank you, Brandon. He says he has an 81 wagon with over 300,000 miles and an 85 240 sedan with over 250,000 miles. And he said he's never had any problems with either of them. And he said 1980 Volvos are keeper cars for sure, safe, efficient, and they're comfortable and reliable. How do you feel about that? Well, you always think about any manufacturer's car. They made some good ones and they made some bad ones. So you're so lucky that you got the good ones yeah. because there are bad ones in every, like I say, I have a Toyota that has 389,000 miles on it, a Toyota Camry. And hey, that's a good one. But people may have Toyotas out there that only get 100,000 miles on them. Yeah. So hey, keep that Volvo going. You got good ones and you got bad ones of all. Yeah. Coach, okay, so I like the idea of the Volvo only because isn't this the one with the steel framing that it can't like get smashed? Well, not most of all vehicles now went to unibodies. Okay. And unibodies is just a one piece system, mm-hmm. but they used to all have steel frames. Okay. Okay. And what it was, it was a frame that um, the body was built onto the frame. Yeah. Now the body is the frame. Okay. That's what a unibody is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I always thought that that was cool, but for him to have gone 300,000 miles, that's even cooler than that steel body frame. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love it. Again, Brandon S. Bond, thank you so much for your 1980s Volvos comment. If you've got a question, send your emails to auto at mpbonline.org. We're answering your emails. Is your car under recall? I'll tell you how you can find out next. You're listening to AutoCorrect with Coach Charlie Melton. I'm Jermaine Flood. If you want even more AutoCorrect, find our podcast on all podcast platforms for your smart device. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio. 
Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Well, here is some recent recalls, and they're all dealing with one vehicle now, Coach. This is just one car. The 2024 Kia Seltos has two recalls. Um, the first one for the Kia Seltos involving the 2023 Soul and the 2024 Seltos vehicles due to a manufacturing area um, error, rather, the side curtain airbags may deploy unexpectedly. Um, an airbag that it deploys unexpectedly can increase the risk of injury or crash, and dealers are inspecting and replacing both side curtain airbag modules as necessary for free, and owner notification letters will be mailed out at the end of January 2024, but owners may contact Kia for more information on that. That's that's kind of scary, Coach. That is pretty scary as you're driving down the uh, highway and then you have a blackout because of an airbag. I mean, airbags hit hard, though. Yes. Like somebody had pushed you for sure. Well, you know, a lot of people don't really understand about airbags. Airbags, they are weight-related. Yeah. That means that they can determine how much weight is in that seat. Uh-huh. So if you have a small child, it only comes out in a certain stage. They're like they're like three or four stage airbags. Okay. So according to how much weight that they can feel, that the computer can feel that's in that passenger seat or yeah. in the driver's seat, yeah. is how fast that airbag comes out. People that's, don't people don't understand that. That's scary. That's a surprise that you're not ready for if it just does right. it unexpectedly. That is true. Y'all make sure y'all get out here and get these, especially when it, if it ain't the backup camera, go get your recall looked at, people. Yes, make sure a lot of people just get the letter and they just ignore it. Get that recall taken care of because you just never know what that recall is, recall is going to cost you in lives and injuries. Yeah. And look, sometimes maybe, I, I don't know if everybody gets their card, but it would scare me if I was driving one of the Kias and never got my card and then it happened, you know? I never got a notification. Well, you know, uh, those notifications do go from owner to owner. Okay. Matter of fact, the manufacturer looks at the titles that it's in a bank, you yeah. know, it's in a uh, bank and they know who has the title and they know where the forking address is yeah. for most of these uh, vehicles. Okay. But if you think that you uh, your car may have a recall, you just need to go to the site, look it up, put your VIN number in. There's many mm-hmm. sites out there that you can put your VIN number in, and it'll tell you if your vehicle has a recall. Yeah, yeah. And especially one of these, make sure you go out there and check y'all. So here's the second one, Coach. They're having a powertrain automatic transmission fluid lubricant pump issue on the 2023 Soul Sportage and 2023 to 24 Seltos vehicles. The electric Electronic controller for the idle stop and go oil pump assembly may contain damaged electrical components that can cause the pump to overheat, and an electric oil pump assembly that overheats increases the risk of a vehicle fire. Owners, again, this is a scary one too. Owners are advised to park outside and away from structures until the recall repair is complete. Dealers are inspecting and replacing the electric oil pump controller as necessary for free and owner notification letters will um, be sent out uh, or have been sent out September of 2023. So coach, that's a scary one too. Another thing on recall when they say that they will replace it if necessary, you want to make sure 
is necessary. That you demand them to replace whatever new part they had to replace because you may be driving down the road several years later and that same problem happens and they're not going to take care of it. So what you want to do is demand that they replace whatever needs replacing in that recall. It's necessary. Yes, it is necessary. It's necessary, even if they say it may not be necessary. But, yeah, make sure you do that. And you can find out if your car has a pass to recall by going to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website, www.nhtsa.gov forward slash recalls, and inputting your VIN, or you can find their Safer Car app. We're answering your emails, and we are answering all of the questions that you've got. Our email address for questions is auto at mpbonline.org. All right, Coach, let's get back to these emails. I've got an oil change question from you. This is coming from Mary Ann Moore. She says, I have a two and a half year old Toyota CHR. The dealership tells me I must get my oil changed with them which is close to $100. They say it requires synthetic oil, but a friend who worked at a Ford dealership in New Orleans for over 30 years once told me this is not true. Synthetic oil is not necessary. Can I just go to a regular oil change place and get a regular oil and pay $30 to $40, or must I go to Toyota? You do not have to go back to the dealership to have your oil changed. <clears throat> you do not have to go back to the dealership to have anything done. But what you want to do is look in the owner's manual and make sure what type of oil that it's recommended for that vehicle. Mm-hmm. Because the only thing is, if you're not putting the oil that's recommended to the vehicle, they may try to void your warranty. Okay. So you want to make sure, but it does not have to be at the dealer because all these uh, other lube companies... Uh, big box stores, they have synthetic, they have synthetic blend, they have conventional, mm-hmm. they have everything that the dealers have, but it doesn't have their name on it. Okay. Okay. So synthetic is not synonymous with Toyota CHRs. No, it is all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> Toyota does not own that synthetic okay. oil. Okay. Because <laughs> she's, she's more or less pressed at that price, and it's it's a hard price to stomach. Well, you know, um, I'm just going to give you an example. <laughs> I, I went to a place, a big box store, uh, recently. I was going to, I, I told you when we first started that I had a flat on my uh, tire on my truck. Yeah. Well, I knew my oil needed changed, and I just haven't got around to it. And I said, well, why don't you go ahead and change the oil and fix the flat? Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I said, what's the price of the uh, flat? Uh, $20. I said, oh, that's great. I said, what's the price of the oil change? Uh, $89. 99 I know it had a 99 Hey, for six quarts of oil ooh, and an oil filter. Oh, I just started itching. And guess what I told him? <laughs> what? I said, you're not changing my oil. Uh-uh. I'll go home and do it. Uh-huh. I said, I'm not paying $100 for an oil change. <laughs> Coach, if I could, I promise you, I would have told him the same thing, but I just, I don't think I can go home and do it. Well, I went home and I took care of the situation, but you know, yeah, the dealership's probably going to charge you more. I'm not sure how much uh, you could get that oil changed. I don't think you can get it done for $39 now Anymore. because a five quarts of oil and an oil filter is 40 bucks now, Yeah, especially synthetic. Yeah. You know, but you can get it cheaper than a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if she's still under warranty, stick to the the dealership. 
I would, but I'm still under warranty. Yeah. Hey, a side note, uh, Marianne Moore, again, thank you so much for your oil change question. I want to know, though, outside of, let's just take my powertrain warranty, outside of oil changes, is there anything that I should stick with the dealership or are there certain things that I can take it outside of when it deals with the powertrain? Well, you know, the powertrain is the engine and the transmission. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can take it to any reputable dealer or any reputable shop that works on those. Okay. But the thing is, for warranties and stuff like that, you just need to document. You need to have the paperwork in order, yeah. all the receipts that you uh, had done, anything you've had done to it, in order so the warranty does not expire. Okay. And does not void. Because the thing is, you can get it done at the dealer, yeah. and they want you to do it at the dealer because that's how they make their money as right. well. Right, 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 right. And hold you to that powertrain warranty. Right. <laughs> but it does not always have to be. You know, if you look in the back of your uh books that you get from the when you buy the car it has a service manual in there and it has a record where you keep everything right just right. add the receipts staple them to that uh service record all. and you're good to go keep them all i'd make sure i stick to mine too that's coach. right that's how you got me out that jam the last time that's right <laughs> Just make sure you know what you're doing. <laughs> make sure you know what you're doing. Okay, again, thank you so much for that question. Here's a new one. Repair or not is the question. This is coming from Stephanie Hodges. Stephanie says, hello, I have a 2014 MB E350 formatic wagon. Do you know what that is? That's a Mercedes-Benz E350. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> if I didn't have you here, what would I do, Coach? All right, so... That she's saying it's been diagnosed as needing a new transmission torque converter by the dealership and an independent European repair shop told her this as well. It has 150,000 miles. The independent shop isn't equipped to do this work. The dealership states it'll be $11,000. I don't know what another independent that is able to do the work will charge. I like my car and I don't want to have to give it up. I also can't afford a new one. In any guidance? Yeah, I think we might have said something about this earlier uh, on another email or a call in. Okay. But on this transmission, I think I said that you could take it to another independent shop and ask them if they can locate you a rebuilt transmission for that uh, Mercedes. Okay. Okay. It's not going to cost you $11,000, but you can find a rebuilt transmission or even a transmission in a salvage yard that doesn't have as many miles on that transmission and stick it in that car. Okay. You're still not going to be out $11,000. Okay. Okay. And how, I mean, I, she didn't give any more details. I was about to say 2014, it seems so recent to have to need a full new transmission. Well, you know, a lot of these manufacturers, if it was uh, Toyota, if it was Honda, if it was uh, Ford, things in their transmission were going bad and they changed the type of fluid they put in them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they went to a different type of fluid and that solved a lot of their problems. She may be able to change the transmission fluid in this one and it may solve some of her problems and she may be able to drive longer. I hope so because of course you know she's getting it from the dealership and the European repair shop but of course they would love for you to buy right. a new transmission. And it's going to cost about $11,000 at the dealer. Ooh. Ooh, I'm so sorry Stephanie. <laughs> I had to say that. I mean it's a full Mercedes Benz that not but nine years later 
You know, I think we need to make sure that you do have options, that you can go out there and talk to somebody else and get another opinion just like you would a doctor's opinion. Okay. You know, and you don't really have to go to the European uh, car specialist because uh, pulling out a transmission, you can go to certain transmission shops. I think we said that Amico does not do uh, Mercedes, but there are others out there that will work with you on trying to find your transmission. Okay. All right. Stephanie Hodges, thank you again, and I hope that helps. Oh, just $11,000 hurts my soul along with you, Stephanie. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty penny to have to pay. Okay, we're going to go to one more quick email, Coach, before we head into our next break. This is a 1999 Lexus LS400 question. Um, this is coming from Calvin Williams. Calvin says, I have a car that has 170,000 miles on it. And I'm guessing this is the, the 1999 LS400. Just recently, the car started hesitating and sometimes speeding up a bit and coming to a stop. I got it home, cranked it. The next day, it appeared to be okay. I tried driving it several days later, same scenario, and car came to a stop. Had it towed to mechanic, car has a quarter of a tank of gas, well, three-fourths tank of gas. Mechanic will get to it next week. What could it be? Cars driven gently around 3000 a year. Well, you know, I was thinking about you said that you're driving it and it speeds up and then it just sort of comes to a stop. Okay. So when you say it comes to a stop, I'm thinking that the vehicle just dies and then you had to crank it back up. You had to go again. That's that's I think that's what I'm hearing. Okay. On a situation like that, you know, being an idle, it could be an idle air control. And the thing is, when I'm saying idle air control, that is what makes that vehicle stay running as you're creeping around town because it's not uh, a lot of RPMs. And when you come to a stop sign, that idle air control keeps it at idle. And you're saying it's dying at idle. So I would check the idle air control. Since you're only driving at 3,000 miles a year, that idle air control pin can get uh, carboned, and so maybe they can clean the carbon off and you'll be good to go. Okay. All right. Well, I hope that helps, Calvin. Again, um, that was at 1999 Lexus LS400. And Calvin, thank you so much for your email. Our email address where you can send questions is auto at mpbonline.org. We're answering your emails. What's in the news? Should cars have built-in speed limits? Some think it's time. I don't know how I feel about that, Coach. (laughs) I'll tell you more next. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Coach Charlie Melton, retired instructor from Clinton High School's Automotive Technology Program, is our expert host. I'm Jermaine Flood. I hope you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. In addition to listening to the show on the MPB Public Media app, you can click on the support button and make a contribution. Contributions help keep our programs on the air for you and others to enjoy, and we thank you for your contribution to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with the replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Okay, Coach, in the news, should cars have a built-in speed limit and some are thinking it's time? The National Transportation Safety Board recommended that all new vehicles come, they recommend it now, that all of the new vehicles come equipped with technology to make speeding difficult or even impossible. 
Well, where are they going? Where are they going to cut it off? You know, you're limited to what fifty five miles an hour. You're limited to seventy miles an hour. Where are they going to cut it off? I don't know. It seems like to me a crash at anything over forty forty five is is serious. So you're going to go forty five miles an hour all the time? I don't know. That's the question. What is going to be the limit? And so all of this, though, came on the heels of an accident in Las Vegas, though, that killed nine people. And it's the second such recommendation um, from the National Traffic uh, Transportation Safety Board in the past six years. But road safety advocates are not optimistic about the technology's adoption, despite speed being a common factor in auto fatalities. So Intelligent Speed Assistance Technology, or ISA, uses the GPS and sign recognition to prevent vehicles from exceeding the speed limit in a given zone. And it's been met by auto manufacturers with little enthusiasm. And the recommendation has not yet been adopted by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Well, you know, out west, the speed limit is 75 and 80 miles an hour. That's the speed limit on on some of the roads out there. And they did say it happened in Vegas. And, you know, and so you're trying to, once again, limit how fast a vehicle's going. Well, of course, uh, you're buying, a lot of people buy those vehicles for the speed that they have. And once again, you're just limiting and people will go back to different ways. They will find shortcuts to bypass. Oh, yeah. They were doing that in the know, beginning, too, though, weren't that's they? That's what I'm saying. They will go, you know, we used to have, matter of fact, Chevy and Ford both had a limiter on their vehicle. And people just found a way to get around them. There's probably always going to be a way. So this is how this one, they say it works. The intelligent speed assistant technology differs from traditional speed limiting devices in that there isn't a flat speed cap. The limiting effect takes into account the speed limit of where a person is driving. The technology was one of several recommendations the NTSB made to the National um, Highway Traffic Safety Administration, as well as all 50 states and the major domestic auto manufacturers. The NTSB said a final report regarding these recommendations will be published in coming weeks. Well, I think you'll be able to cut them off because just think about adaptive cruise control. Adaptive cruise control today is used as you're driving and you have the cruise control up. If the vehicle in front of you is going slower, that vehicle automatically slows you down. Okay. So you don't hit the vehicle in front of you. So it's going to be something like adapted cruise, where if you're coming up on a vehicle, it's going to automatically slow you down. I, I do believe that's probably going to be some of the technology. That's in there. Okay. Yeah. So there still could possibly be a way to get around it. There will be some way to get around it. You know, all computers can be hacked. All computers can be manipulated. And that may be one of the things that they malignate yeah. that will come from aftermarket. They always can find a way. That's right. They always find a way. All right. Right. We'll, I'll include a link to this story in our show's podcast description. But today, we're answering your emails. You could email your questions to auto at mpbonline.org. Okay, let's get in here, Coach. Listen, this is a good one to kind of piggyback off of our news story. So this is a comment um, coming from Jonathan Trotter. He, he labeled it PSA on traffic laws. So Jonathan says, good morning. There have been several blinking traffic lights in Jackson recently, particularly the two major ones on State Street near Millsaps. No one seems to know how to navigate them, and it might be helpful to provide our listeners with a reminder. So this is the reminder that Jonathan sent for everybody to, to you know, kind of 
tie a little string around their finger with. So he says the Mississippi traffic code states, colon, and he has quoted this, there is no need to come to a stop when approaching a flashing yellow light, but motorists should stay alert for other drivers entering the highway and proceed with caution. Cross traffic entering the highway is advised to follow the same rules as a two-way stop intersection, including yielding to oncoming traffic when turning and yielding to pedestrians in crosswalks. When approaching a flashing red traffic light, drivers must come to a complete stop. An intersection with flashing red lights in all directions should be treated as a four-way stop. In the event of a power outage, treat dark traffic lights as a stop sign and intersections as a four-way stop. (laughs) Well, that may be a good way, but you got to make sure that Jackson don't have a camera up there and they know the law because you may be getting a ticket in the mail if you do not go through it correctly. Yes. So you need to be careful. That is, well, these are good rules to, you know, abide by for sure because people do forget what to do when they approach a flashing yellow light or a flashing red light. Or for me, the one that I like the most is when people approach a roundabout. <laughs> Have you ever got lost in a roundabout just going no, around and around ours, and around? Not ours, Coach. I've never been to Europe. I could imagine getting lost in one of those. But, Coach, ours is one lane, and they have the hardest time navigating this roundabout, Coach. I've seen the ones. I've been the ones in London and, and Europe, and those roundabouts are totally I mean, different massive. than ours. They're yes. massive. They're massive. We've got two that I know of. There's one on Jackson State's campus. And the reason why I know that is because I worked there for, for eight years. And then there is the one right there, you know, at the airport. And n- nobody can navigate either one. <laughs> they don't know if they should go, if they should stop. You know, they do have yield signs, but you just got to get in and go with the traffic. That's Hey, watch uh, the European vacation. You'll see how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Just stay in there until you figure out That's where right, you're going. Until you figure out where you're going. Just keep circling. You know, about those lights you were talking about, yes, yellow means that you yield. You do not have to go stop completely. Red means that you have to stop and you treat it like a four-way stop. So the caller, you are correct, and that is really how it should be navigated when you come to a flashing light. Okay, okay. Yeah, make sure y'all do that. And make sure you read your Mississippi traffic code. That's right. Because it will remind you of what you're supposed to do out there on those roads. You won't go wrong. You won't go wrong reading your manual, like Coach says. That's right. (laughs) Read the manual, everybody. Okay, Coach, let's go into another quick email. This is coming from Julie Cowan. She's got a 2002 BMW 330CI. So she says, thank you so much for your time. BMW of Jackson just notified me that they no longer service vehicles older than 2012. Um, my vehicle has only 45,000 miles on it. It's only used for close to home errands. I would like your suggestion on service for my vehicle in the Vicksburg Jackson area. She thanks you and she certainly enjoys and appreciates the show. Well, you know, a lot of dealerships now and manufacturers are going where they put a 10-year limit on the vehicles that they Ah. service. And that's not really good because if you sold the vehicle... Don't drive it a lot. Right. But if you sold the vehicle, you should service the vehicle regardless. Right, right. But a lot of manufacturers are putting a limit on how many years that they service and how far they go back. Wow. Uh, 
being a European vehicle, you can go, I would find a European shop that works on European vehicles strictly. You know, uh, uh, there's some in Ridgeland uh, that I know of. There's some in Richland that I know of. Okay. So just find your European vehicle uh, shop, go to them, and they have all the updates. They have. They can do a lot of the stuff that the dealers do because they got the tools and all. Okay. Uh, I think the whole thing is, is that you need to go somewhere that has the tools to fix the vehicle because a lot of these foreign cars need specialty tools. Okay. So they won't even touch it. Won't even touch it. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. You know, used to, uh, they would touch any car uh, because they needed the service work. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, all the different things that are going on, all the warranty work, and, you know, it adds up to a lot of work. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense, Julie. I hope that helped, and I hate that you can't just go where you need to go to get your car service. Just can't anymore. do it anymore. Just can't do it anymore. All right, Coach, let's get into one more quick email before we go to our next break. This is a creaking email, and then I love who sent this and where they sent it from. This is coming from Gabe in Hawaii. He's with the U.S. Army. Okay. So it's a, it's a good, this is a good email. I like this one. Okay. Gabe says, I have a 2011 Ford Focus coach. I bought it used when we got stationed in Hawaii last year and about two months ago it started making this creaking sound when I'm going over bumps at low speeds. I've done research and think it's probably some kind of bushing but I've jacked it up and can't exactly tell which one. I I probably didn't pronounce that right. Um, My car is real low to the ground or else I'd lay under it and have someone shake it so I could tell exactly where the sound is coming from. Any tips on how to tell where the creek is coming from and how to fix it? Well, you know, they do make tools that you can put on the vehicle and you can listen to where the noise is coming from. Um, Most of the time, shops are going to have those. But as an individual, like you say, you just need to push down on it uh, on each corner and see if you can hear it. But it sounds like you're in the right direction saying it's a bushing because... Those will go bad. Maybe a ball joint. Sometimes you'll hear a cricking noise every time you drive over a bump. So there's several different things. If it struts, uh-huh. you know, so you want to take your that suspension in there. Just want to have it checked real good to see where that noise is coming from. Okay. Like I say, those bushings dry rot and they will start making noise. Those uh, ball joints, they will uh, get bad and they'll start making noise They'll because water will get in there. And they'll, they'll rust. Okay. And then, like I say, your struts and your shocks. Okay. Well, Gabe in Hawaii, I hope that helps. And thank you so much for your service. Yes, sir. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for your service. Okay. The Today, we're answering your emails, and we're here to help steer you in the right direction. You can send an email to us at auto at mpbonline.org. We've got a new car review from Casey Williams coming up and Coach's Tip of the Week. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Here's a new car review from Casey Williams. It's Auto Casey on AutoCorrect. Compared to other luxury automakers, it took Lexus a little too long to make an electric vehicle, but it finally did, and we had it this week. The 2023 RZ450E. From the outside, the stand looks like other Lexus crossovers. Just a little swoopier. It's got the 20-inch alloy wheels. In the front, there's a panel where a girl would normally be. In the side, there's a little door for the plug. But otherwise, pretty sexy. Inside, I really like the interior. Blue suede, it's got 14-inch touchscreen, heads-up display, heat and ventilated seats, it's got the Mark Levinson audio system, and one-touch roof that goes from opaque to clear glass. But underneath, this is what might disappoint everybody. The recharge is a little bit long, takes about 30 minutes on a fast charger, 
10 hours overnight on 240 volt charger. And for that, you only get 196 miles with our all-wheel drive vehicle. So it takes a little too long, a little short on distance. But let's talk about price. The RZ starts under $60,000. This one has equipped $67,095. See the full video on his YouTube channel, Auto Casey, and listen to AutoCorrect on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. This is AutoCorrect. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show from autocorrect.mpbonline.org. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Stay tuned after the show at 11 a.m. at Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Morgan McLeod. I'm Jermaine Flood, and our expert is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. It's time for Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Well, you know, I was thinking about the Tip of the Week uh, Jermaine. Okay. You know, traveling this week, there's a lot of people out there traveling and they need to have their eyes mm-hmm. open. They need to be more aware of what's going on if they're traveling at night, if they're traveling during the day. Be one of these drivers that are paying attention to what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. You know, because like I said, we want to get you back here. We want to get you back at home safely. That's right. So go have a great time, but make sure that you are paying attention to your surroundings and be very careful while driving out there. That's right. Be aware and make sure you stay up on all your recalls and all your That's right. your maintenance and everything, and that'll keep everybody safe out there on the road. That's exactly right. I love that tip of the week, Coach. All right. Let's get back into our emails. We've got a humming CRV question. Um, this is coming from S-A-R-D. Oh, no, that's Susan. Susan Ard in Alabama. Sorry, Susan. Um, she says, good morning. My six-year-old CRV has twice in four days hummed for about 10 seconds after I've turned off my car. I'm a few steps away when I hear it. It's over before I can get um, to hear it where it might be coming from. So basically she's trying to figure it out and then it goes off. It sounds as if something is losing a vacuum. Is this uh, being, uh, is could this be a small or a large problem is what she's asking. Well, CRV talking about a Honda. Okay, if your air conditioner's on, sometimes you will hear it uh, release. Okay, you'll hear it make it like a humming noise and it'll go off. Or it could be your electric fan. Most likely it's going to be your electric fan okay. that it, it's on. And when you cut the vehicle off, it still takes the time for it to go off. Okay. Okay, due to the temperature. Yeah. And um, matter of fact, um, a lot of times, if that vehicle is hot, you can go out there and you cut the key on, it's automatically, you'll still hear it because it ain't went off. Right. You know? Right. So... I would check that electric fan. I think it just sounds like the electric fan coming on and off. Okay. Okay. It could be a cycle through, one of those things. Just trying to keep the vehicle cool. Yeah, everything's cycling through. Well, Susan Ard in Alabama, thank you so much for listening in Alabama, and thank you for your question today. All right, Coach, into our next one. This is coming from Susan in Oxford. She has two VIN number issues. Um, She says she bought a vehicle from someone she knew a few years ago. She had it for many years and was supposedly the second owner, so she was very surprised when the mechanic recently pointed out that the VIN numbers on the dash and the door frame do not match. She's asking, how could this happen? Does it mean the vehicle was totally reconstructed at some point? And which VIN number should I use? Okay, once again, they got these VIN numbers. The VIN number you should use is that one right under the windshield on the dash. Okay. That is the VIN number that people cannot get in there and take out unless... 
uh, they changed the windshield. The one through the glass. Through the glass. Now, that door has probably been replaced on that vehicle, and that's why it has a different VIN number on it, because they just got it out of a salvage yard, put it on there, repainted it. Okay. You know, so the VIN number will be the one that's on the dash. And the one that's on your title. Right. And I've, I've, me and you probably discussed this before. I found a VIN number on my floorboard underneath the flap. So I want to kind of go back and now check to see if all of those match. <laughs> well, there are certain things that they can change. Or I think we even talked about where they had them on the windows and stuff like that. Those things can be changed. Okay. But the one that's under the windshield on the dash cannot be changed unless somebody took out the windshield and replaced it. Okay. And that gets pretty expensive. Yeah. You know, uh, what they did, they, and that's the reason why they put it under the windshield mm-hmm. is because what people were doing, they were taking the VIN number off because they just used to be just riveted on. Yeah. They would take them off one vehicle and, and put them on another them. vehicle. Yeah, flip them. Flip them. You know, if them. they stole the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now it's harder to do that, so nobody could do that no more like that. That's right. So, (laughs) under the dash. Under the dash. Susan in Oxford, thank you again for your email. Well, Coach, that'll wrap us up for today's Autocorrect. Well, you know, this is going to be the end of the year, and we'll start a new one. And uh, in 2024, we'll be ready for it, and we can just take it from there. You're right about that, Coach. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, too. And we want to wish all of our listeners Happy New Year and Merry Christmas. Yeah, make sure everybody out there is staying safe. Our crew engineer, well, it was me, Jermaine Flood. Our call screener, no calls today. It was all emails. For Coach Charlie Melton, Master Technician, I'm Jermaine Flood, podcast producer and episode producer. Thank you again for listening to AutoCorrect All 2023 this year on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.